Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. What a weekend we had last week. Halifax Town at top of the league. Constitution Hills, an absolute monster. So what could possibly go wrong? Well, here to tell us what's going to go wrong is Jim Watson. How are you, pal? Hello, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. Um, we didn't do a too bad a weekend last weekend for me. Um, I, I put up my ambitious lucky 31 and the first two legs came up and we got a little bit excited and then it's... <laughs> It suddenly went downhill from there on in, and um, Hermes boy did not deliver the, the goods that was required, uh, as per usual. And, uh, yeah, a bit disappointing. Then, to make my weekend even worse, I ended up in Pop World. So, um, <laughs> I, I don't really know where to go from here, so I'm back to try and get a bit of credibility back. I am here to... Here to talk some actual sense on this podcast once is our good friend Dan Overall, who's back away, Dan. <laughs> talk sense might be an overstatement, but yeah, I'm very well, mate, thank you. I'm just disappointed you didn't introduce me as the Jock Top champion, because I'm still claiming that title, you know. That is still uh, my favourite accomplishment to date. He has to claim everything he's got, because he keeps losing every competition against Willow and Jake Price. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, really, which is a shame, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, Tipstar lost that, Betfair lost that one, lost to Willow. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, when you brought me on here to tip winners, all I do is bloody lose. So I'm not sure why I'm really here. But anyway, I hope you enjoy listening to my rambling. Fit rating on here, then, Dan. Fit rating. Uh, we're gonna go through Warwick and Kempton. Really, they're the only two cards of proper interest, I guess, on on Saturday. Although there might be one or two shouts for horses running up at Weather Bay, and we'll have a brief brief discussion about the Irish action on Sunday. At the end, starting with Warwick. The first novice hurdle could be quite funny because Ronan McNally is bringing petrol head and Flint and Sacra is running as well. So hopefully there'll be some comedy coming out of that. Uh, but the first race we'll have a little bit of a discussion about is the Older Domain and Acres PMS Oxford Edward Courage Cup Hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brave Siaska's 5 to 4, not available 5 to 2, Sky Pirate 3 to 1. Fast book seven to one. Only the four runners, Jim. We'll only need to be brief on this. But Sky Pirates trying to give twenty pounds away to everything else, and he will struggle to give it away to Brave Seska. That I, I was very impressed by how Brave Seska's uh, taken to fences. Two wins out of the three, and last time I got jumped them silly. Um, the form and that's going to be working out all right. All a bit. The horses that have won in behind have fallen and unseated, uh, unseated in the race. Red Rookie has won at Hereford, I think, off the top of my head, and, and time. Time White had won at Doncaster. Amarillo Sky has uh, ran a creditable race to say. Uh, a lot less experience in comparison to Brave Seska in, in second. And I think the form of that race will, will work out really well. Um, up a fair amount in the handicap, but into a better race. But I think there's a, a lot more progression to come. Um, and as much as we all love Sky Pirate, I'd, I'd quite like to see him get beat here. Fair enough, mate. That's a fair case. Brave Seska is going very, very well. What about you, Dan? I like the phrase, oh, we all love Sky Pirate, but I'd like to see him get beat. <laughs> seems seems a bit contrasting. He's caused uh, so much trouble on this podcast to Lewis that it will give oh, him I know. emotional trouble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for that reason, surely you'd like to see him win. It's funny. It's funny at this stage. <laughs> no, because it, it's, it's not even funny anymore. <laughs> well, when he wins the Grand Annual uh, in a couple of months, again, that will really... Uh, That'll really make it sobering. <laughs> that's where that's where he goes, I'll tell you. Uh, but to be fair, I agree. I think Brave Seska's um, probably been the worthy favourite here. I think probably the, the form has been frank from his last run has been by the horses that didn't complete, which makes it a bit questionable, but he did it fairly comfortably anyway. 
He's progressively young. I think not available is a decent type. And I mean, he's been running in decent races all season, really. I think a lot of his runs have been well ranked. Whether he finds this like forerunner event just a bit too sharp for him against a more progressive type is questionable, but he should make a piece of it and Skyfire will, will go down a few pounds in the weights en route to, I, I imagine, yeah, another tilt of the Grand Annual maybe. But Braceska for me. I can see, but I can. When when I first looked at the race, I kind of thought, I, I can see Sky Pirate giving lumps away away in a small field event. It's a sort of race I think he might be able to. To impose himself on if he just if he just allows himself to tank up in front and jump, it's a scenario I can see suiting him. There are other horses I'd be more worried about giving giving heaps of weight away, if that makes sense. But the, you know, Brave Seska and Not Available are very very credible rivals, both in absolutely flying form. Brave Seska's the right favourite. He's a short enough price. It's a race I'd probably leave alone, but I'm surprised Sky Pirate is as big as Freeze. If I'm honest, and well, I, I can't put him up because every time I put him up, he gets beat. Here we but, go again. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's for a, for a four runner race round Rory. It's it's actually quite an interesting one. That uh, the one fifty isn't as interesting. Novice as Chase three under through five is uh, eight fifteen to beat Mint Condition, who's nine to two. Dorian Breed seven to one. NNU's fourteens. Mossy Fen sixteens. Does anyone have any issue with three under through five winning this? I've had problems in the past with him, with his jumping. I, I, but he's shown that the, the more experience he's got, the better he's got. And that's normally what tends to happen with horses. Um, but um, I wasn't a fan with how he jumped at Exeter. He brushed that side at, Ch- at Cheltenham, where I think if Oscar Elisa said his feet, he'd have beat him. Um, but then brushed aside an easy field in that grade two. He has to carry the penalty here. Um but you, I wouldn't be worried that uh, he'll be getting beat here, even under the penalty. But there's a, there's not bad horses in behind. Horses who I think could improve for a step up to three mile. Mint, mint condition uh, has only had the two chase starts. Probably should be two out of two if he'd have jumped the last properly at Haydock uh, on his first start. But uh, was workmanlike in that Haydock race last time, beating Ashdown Lad. Uh, proper testing heavy conditions that Haydock often produces and uh, he grounded down Ashton Lad late on and his stamina really kicked in stepping up to three miles around Warwick we've seen him run uh, round three uh, round uh, Warwick before when finished second to Adriel in uh, the race on this card the Leamington Spa uh, last year so in, the track will certainly be no problem for him he, he's a very likeable horse um, he's been put up two pounds for that and I think there could be a handicap in him at the festival, possibly, that, that could go his way, which would probably be more up Dan Street. Um, but he's a horse I'd certainly like to keep on the right side. And a horse who I think has been slightly... A bit of an overreaction in the market is, is any news. He was a horse that burst onto the sea, not like Mika Richards, but at, at Cheltenham. <laughs> um, where made me a believer um, and him scrapped it out, and I thought them two would be nice horses. We haven't quite seen much of Make Me a Believer since. I don't, I don't know anything about him, but he has been quite disappointing since. But there was there's been signs of a bit of a, a resurrection of recent times, and um, I, I don't think he liked going right-handed at Exeter last time. Going back to Warwick uh, is is a track that I think he'll suit him. He, he ran there on his debut over two miles, and um, they always. I remember Neil Mul- Neil Mulholland talking after that race that. They think he wants a trip in time. Um, so stepping him up to three here, 
Um, I think we'll might eke out a little bit more improvement. Um, we've seen him a lot at two miles throughout his career, and they stepped him up properly last time, and that probably wasn't seen to the best effect going right-handed. Uh, but back to going left-handed, I, I think that any news might outrun his odds, and I'll probably play him without the favourite um, more than likely later on in the week. That's fair, Jim. I, I was very, very taken by any news on his chasing uh, debut, just because I thought everything he was going to do over two miles would be you know, would be vastly improved upon when he when he went further, but it's not quite happened happened uh, for him yet. I think I might have said on the pod after his chasing debut that if the novice handicap still existed, he would be the perfect horse for it this season. Uh, but I think he's got a little bit to prove now, although I am intrigued to see him up in trip. Dan, where are you landing here, mate? I mean, it's not it's not the most interesting betting race unless you want to take the fav on. No, and I think it's hard to really opposed 300 through five based on what he's lining up against here. I mean, he's been, I'd say, yeah, fairly workmanlike thus far with the fences, but, I mean, he's the type for the National Hunt chase, isn't he, really? And that's kind of what you want. The penalty wouldn't really worry me too much either because I just don't think the rivals here are in good enough form or have got the class needed to really give him too much to worry about. I think the form of his last run ahead of the likes of Fantastic Ass is actually quite decent. I do like Fantastic Ass as a horse. Uh, any news, he's just... I don't know about up and him to three miles just straight away like this. I mean, he's always been quite keen, quite buzzy type. And it seems a bit almost a shot to nothing. Like if he doesn't come off in the next couple of runs over this kind of trip, he stays a novice for next season, potentially, uh, which they might be thinking. So if he can get a prize like this in the bags, then it's just kind of a almost a Hail Mary. Mean condition is a nice, decent horse. I think he probably wants heavier ground than this. All his best form has seemed to come on testing conditions. Uh, but I still would have him as probably the horse to finish second regardless. Uh, the one just to keep an eye on is probably Mossy Sen. Hasn't been seen for over a year now, but was entered up, I think, over a month ago or so and was meant to run, but the ground became a bit too quick for him. Uh, by all accounts, the plan is to kind of get him one or two runs in these novice chases, just kind of get him a bit more experience and then probably go for some of the handicaps later in the season. Like if you go back to some of his novice hurdle form, it's actually pretty decent. He races off 137 at the minute. If he can get in handicaps later in the season with a bit more experience off that kind of mark, he'll be interesting for down the line. Yeah, that's a very, very good shot. Then I quite like Mossy Fed last season, maybe as a, you know, a national hunt chase type, possibly. I think even given the problems he's had, that'd probably be a poor shout this year. But he's still only seven and he was running quite, you know, in quite tough, hardy races as a very, very young horse. So I hope, I hope he can show that there's still ability remaining, but yeah. Three under through five, this should be a good stepping stone for him onto the National Hunt chase, which he should be one of the favourites for, really. Probably our, our main contender against Run Wild Fred if he turns up in that race. And I, I, see, I see no reason to take three under through five on here. The 2.25 is the Ballymore Leamington Novices Hurdle. Some good horses have run, have run this down the years, and the new one will be caught. And they bet this this time Surrey Quest two to one fab to beat Party Business at five to two, Viva Lavia five to one eleven to two, Staghorn who was a horse I really liked on the flat and did quite well on his hurdling debut. Twelve, how do you like me now? Sixteen, Scipion and Gentleman at Arms. Uh, Dan, I'll come to you first here. This race has kind of been a, bit, a little bit decimated at the declaration stage. No, Mr. Fred Rogers. No, L.A. Bell. But there's two two quite nice types ahead in the market with Surrey Quest and Party Business. Yeah, as you say, it's it's one of many that's kind of just cut up to a very trappy looking affair, really. I mean, you've got 
plenty of horses with decent enough form, but nothing really stands out from either a form perspective or a rating perspective. So, to be honest, the one I've kind of leant towards is is the maiden of the field, and that's Scipion. He was second to Melacruno in a point-to-point. That form is working out pretty decent. Melacruno is definitely a decent animal. Uh, he then finished second to, Ch- to Jatois on his hurdling debut, and he represents Tom Lacey, who won this race last year. And by all accounts, he's meant to be held in quite high regard. And considering Tom Lacey's probably one of the more pessimistic trainers you'll encounter and speak to, I think it's interesting that they've gone and avoided getting him into a, like a standard maiden or a novice hurdle, and they've thrown him straight into a grade two, despite still having his maiden status intact. So I think that's kind of representative of how they feel about him. If you look to the third who finished behind him on his hurling debut, that was another Crick who then bolted up in a handicap chase next time out. Admittedly, he was just using the hurdle race as a prep run. But I think the form of that novice hurdle is solid enough. And a 16 to 1 in the very trappy race, in a race that probably produces more stayers than it does speed type horses in general, I think he's probably a stayer of the future and he might outrun his odds. That's that's a very, very fair shout out. A big price tip in 16 to 1. I like the case there, Dan. Jim, what about you, mate? It's, it's not a race I'm overly enthusiastic about at all. Um, Skipping, I, I think they've missed a beat with Skipping. They could have done with him being out of Scorpion, and then that could have just because Scorpion's such a rogue, they've just missed a few letters out. Um, party business. I'm moving on from that horrendous pun. Um, <laughs> party I'm sure someone bus- laughs somewhere. Please do, Jim. Please. Um, do the podcast I, Party business is it, on form for me. Brings the most to the table. Um, one nice let us got beaten City Chief and complete unknown. City Chief uh, cost £210,000 as a four-year-old and um, got beat by Wonderwall the other day at Doncaster. I, 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 he, he looks very slow. I'm surprised he didn't go for something like this because I, I think City Chief, three mile, well, three miles in time and this race produces stayers. So um, I'm surprised he didn't wait with him for this. But complete unknown was in behind. who's a horse I, who I who I like. I think that Chepstow race that he ran on a, a workout to be decent form. Um, and I, I don't think the horses he beat that, that day were uh, that bad, even though he went went off such a big price. He was going all right when um, falling two out in the in the channel last time. And he, I think he would have more than likely been second. I don't think he'd have beat Stage Star because I, I think he's a bit of a weapon. But um, I think he was probably going to be second in that race uh, if he'd have stayed on his feet. Coming into this, I think this is a very winnable grade two for him, and uh, I think eleven to two. Well, he's not eleven to two anymore, is he? Uh, I think five to two is more than fair um, about him at this moment in time. And, and Dan's made a very good case for the Tom Lacey horse as well. Yeah, I, I can see Pie using this, and he worries me, but I kind of think the Fav's the right one here. Sorry, Quest, who's won both his hurdle starts so far for Nicky Henderson, very unexposed. He, he just looks quite speedy. For also, I think we'll get this trip running up in a bump around Rorick uh, last May behind his stable mate, Russian Ruler, who was disappointing uh, at Donny earlier this week, but he's clearly held him in quite high regard. You know, he went off odds on Fav for his bumper and then was was punted into favouritism for his hurdling debut at Donny. But Surrey Quest has won, won both his hurdles. Starts beat Riley of the Skeletons, who again was a long odds-on favourite, and he actually runs uh, at Bangor today, oh, as we're recording on Thursday. You know that Riley's form isn't poor either. You know running up to Quintara, who's in the turf top twelve in a bumper, and then beaten by Brief Times, who looked 
very, very rare one for Neil Mulholland, but like quite quite a nice type when he went and won uh, at Exeter earlier in the season. And he's he followed up at Donny under a penalty next time, and then only got only just got done by Earth Company on his next start. So I think I think he's beating a, a, an above average rival there. Not a, you know not a top class one, but Riley will probably be a Saturday horse when he goes handicapping. And Mumbo Jumbo, who he beat last time out, is another horse of Emma Lavelle's who showed decent enough form earlier in the season. Uh, you know when he was when he was uh, placed in a in a Newbury bumper that was last year behind Fine Casting. But you can kind of tell that Mumbo Jumbo is a sort of long term project that that they think a fair bit of sent off of a very very a short enough price to beat Brave Kingdom on a on his hurdling debut, even though things didn't go go to plan that day. Pipe smoker behind as well in Surrey Crests. Win at Donny last time and he, he was just yeah, look he absolutely he pissed it, didn't he really? He was he, he was still green but it was so easy for him. Up against horses who I, I reckon are probably two horses there who are one twenty plus. It, it's it's a it's a good racist but I, I, I think Surrey Crest probably the one who's impressed me most hurdling so far remains with a good deal of potential. He's a, he's a short enough price, but he'd probably be, be where I'd land. It's not a race I'm overly confident about. You'll probably hear that from me from most races this weekend, to be fair, but Surrey Quest would just about be the one for me, although I really do like Staghorn as a, as a prospect going forward. Dead progressive on the flat last season. Finished winning at Ponty over, uh, over two miles two, and the you know, landed landed the odds at Hereford on his hurdling debut. From in, in what what could well be a that second's not a bad horse. No, exactly a, a semi decent race. World of Dreams of uh, Anthony Hudderball was fifth in the entry bumper behind Nappers Hill and has won both his other hurdling starts. So that's he sets a good standard. And Staghorn, you know, was never really in danger of being beaten by him. I guess. I guess the thing you might expect though here is that, you know, Staghorn was a strong, strong, strong two miler on the flat. And whether he, <laughs> the flatbread might actually be outspeeded by a nippier national hunt type in this race, which isn't something that had happened too often. But Staghorn looks all stamina to me. But I'd, I'd, I'd hope, you know, if he continues his, his flat progression to hurdling, he'll be a 140s plus animal, hopefully. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, we've seemed to talk a lot about a race that we don't really care about. <laughs> <laughs> that happens on, that, on this podcast most weeks, Jim. It, to be fair. Uh, the Classic Chase is, is an interesting one, though. The feature at Warwick on Saturday. I, I feel like I'm struggling to say Warwick. <laughs> Warwick. 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 <laughs> yeah, I feel... I say it and it doesn't sound right when it comes out of my mouth. Just think uh, of Warwick Davis. <laughs> but the classic... Good news, it doesn't sound right to anyone else when you say it either. So we're no. all in the same boat together. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Uh, the three o'clock at Warwick. Is... <laughs> uh, the market's headed by Jericho Rock at nine to two, five to one. Corrick Rambler, fifteen to two. Paddle your own canoe. Eight's not a chance. Ten's Achilles. Eleven's Eclair Surf. Twen- uh, Twelve, sorry, Gracevu Enke. 14, the hollow ginger, and Jerry's back, 16 to 1. Bar them. Jim, this is this is a tricky race, a big field. 
proper, proper Stadium Handicap chase, who would you like? Jericho Rocks, the horse who I like, and he's been on my radar for a while that I think a big handicap could uh, come his way in time, and uh, that looks promising last time out, but just bumping into Sam Palais, the uh, four-year-old who's clearly well handicapped, uh, he didn't give in on the running and he kept battling with him and um, obviously the four-year-old had a lot more in hand and uh, getting the weight allowance and just Jericho Rock just wasn't good enough to, to rally late on. Um, he came to my attention at Weatherby when he, he jumped fences for the first time and he didn't jump that well at all um, and he was plugged on to finish third in the end and uh, I don't think that race was too bad. Jerryville was too bad to be true the other week at Weatherby, but I think he came out since uh, and ran a good second behind Sidney Ishmael, who runs in the North Yorkshire National today. Um, Pat's fancies a horse he bumped into at Chepstow, and I think they, want, they sort of give him different tactics. Like they, they held him up and sort of tried to teach him a little bit to come through horses and jump better, uh, which he did, and he just, I think Pat's fancy just got a slight little bit of run on him, and um, maybe Jerry Corrott just didn't want to quite get past him and, and I think Pat's fancy was just a stronger stayer uh, at three miles at the time and going into this yes he's up £10 from when he finished second to, to Pat's fancy and he's not won a race um, but I think he's a, an upwardly more uh, progressive and mobile type who I think staying chases will be he'll be taking over the early on Rouges for the uh, Tisdalls and Pipes in, in the years to come. And I think he's a proper staying chaser who we can look forward to in a few years' time uh, over the national fences. And I know this race is, normally doesn't do too bad for national fences. And I know he's only a six-year-old and we're talking about that already. Um, but I think Jericho Rock is a very, very good chance at 5-1. to one And I, I could be a bit scumbaggy each way and back him each way for that. I, I think he's got a good chance in this. Um other than that, there's not an awful lot of fancy against him, to be honest, and I think he'll go very well here. Jim's with the favourite then, Dan, what about you, pal? Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think for the most part, this race is full of fairly uninspiring types. I mean, the market seems to have got it right, with Korak Rambler and Jericho Rogue being at the top of the market, and I can perfectly understand their price and why people would fancy both of them. Um, the, the one I've tended to lean towards, though, is Captain Tommy, who I think is about 16 to 1 still. Now, not a chance has been put up in a few like, anti-post pieces for this race based on the fact that he won this race last year. It's seemingly been the plan for a while, and he's got a first-time visor now as well. But the yards form would concern me, and he came into this race last year with a lot better form. He actually was coming off the back of a win, and he actually beat Captain Tommy before coming onto this race last year. But Captain Tommy's now £11 better off with not a chance for a free-length defeat just about a year ago. And I think Captain Tommy's slowly been running into form this season. He's getting closer with each run, and he was going really nicely at Cheltenham on the last day. Like It was still two out to determine whether he would have run, would have won or placed or whatever, but he was going nicely enough before being brought down for absolutely no fault of his own, and Jockey had absolutely nowhere to go with him. Now, he's not the most frequent winner in the world, but he's two pounds below his last winning mark, and if you look at all his best form, it's generally come around sharp left-handed tracks like the likes of Bagger and New Toxeter. So I think this kind of test will suit him. He's unexposed over these real marathon distances. But David Bridgewater is always a, jo- always a trainer worth noting in these kind of events. And he was actually really well backed last time at Cheltenham, which to me indicates that they know there's a race in him. And he definitely has something like this, where I think a lot of the field are fairly exposed, fairly uninspiring. I think this is definitely a race that's within his range. The drier conditions are going to suit him. There's no rain predicted around at all, so he might get 
good to soft, maybe on that side of things. Paddy Brennan's jocked up. I think he'll be given a fairly patient ride on his first attempt at a real marathon distance, but I can definitely see him going well at a big price. I really like that, mate. I really like it. When you look at Captain Tobby's form, there are all signs that suggest that he should be well well up to going well in a race like this, and he's, he's a big enough price, and he was running a good race when he came down last time out. I don't I don't disagree with anything you've said. I might back him each way as well, because I think that's a strong case. I, I kind of agree with Jim that the Fav is the right Fav. Jericho Rocken, he's the one who I had on as a likeliest winner. Uh, you know, look, he's, he's unexposed as a staying chaser, bumped into what looked like a little bit of a handicap block last time in, in St. Palais, in the Mandarin. You know, a, a similar level of performance, I know he's uh, been bumped up six, but surely that, that should see him go close with the, with the promise of possibly more to come even further up in trip. I really like Torek Rambler as a prospect, but he isn't the most straightforward. And I kind of feel like whilst there is clear room for progression off 142, he's the sort of horse who I kind of would prefer to see in a race where I know they're going to be nice to him. And I don't think they will be nice to him here. If you know what I mean, he's going to have to this is going to be attritional and, and grueling and tough, and I'm not sure whether I could see him potentially spitting the dummy out a bit here. It's a bit of a head case. Yeah, sure. and, and, you know, I'd, I'd be very, very keen on him off 142 in sort of like a, a 6 7 runner handicap over three miles or 3 2, but I'm just not kind of sure that against such battle hardened. You know, veterans in here, you know, the, the likes of Achille, who doesn't run bad races in races like this, and he's a very fair each way price at 10 to 1 if he's over what was quite a tough, tough race in the Welsh National, but placed in that again. Uh, I hope Achille goes well just because I, I like him and I think he deserves a crack at the National uh, and he needs to go up to get into that. So hopefully he'll go well uh, just for my own, my own benefit. But yeah, with Correct Rambler, I just, I just kind of think he needs to be. He, I, I like him more when he don't know he's in a race, and he'll know he's in a race here. And that that kind of puts me off him a bit. Uh, my other little melty Grand National ratings comment is the hollow ginger. You know, John Neal said for a long time that they, you know, they want a horse in the national. They would have got splash of ginger in uh, if it wasn't for uh, the reserves having to come out having to get in sorry a day before the race that was a few years ago and I know he was he was quite upset about that you know he, he had a little bit of a moan uh, the hollow jeans he rented the last couple of years he's off 141 now <sighs> that might not be far off being enough to get in this year it'll definitely be lower than 145 from what from my maths you know there are there aren't particularly many many new staying chasers coming through you know into, from you know last season's novice ranks in terms of the national hunt chase, I think people have kind of already decided Galvin won't run there. There's nothing particularly from the RSA or the Gold Cup unless Santini runs that'll be interesting and that'll look like it'll get you know that that will get in. Secret reprieve still won't get in. So one for one might might be enough. It'll definitely be lower. And I'm 
he will be. I think John Neal might end up absolutely kicking himself if if the Hologins runs here, runs poorly. He's put down a few pounds, and then it ends up being that one for one is enough to get in the national this year. Because I, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if it was five pounds lower this year. Uh, I think Jericho Rock wins the race to me. He's, he's the favourite, but I think he's the right fav. But I really like Dan Shell for Captain Tommy. Yeah, I agree. Jim, there's a Potemps qualifier as well at 3.35. The seven-runner Potemps qualifier is possibly the most pointless race that has ever ended, especially when six of them are already rated 140 or higher and therefore do not need to run well to get in. Uh, I mean, therefore, Jim, Riggs, he's the one who probably needs to go up in the race to win it. And you like him. Yeah, I think he's got the best chance out of me. He's probably going to be the only one trying, really. Um, he needs to win this to, to go anywhere close in a particular, well, get even, get in the race. I like what he did last time, uh, in the fixed brush behind Don Levant. He travelled into the race well and, um, it showed that three miles was what he wanted and, um, I think he'll, he'll just go very close here in comparison. Uh, Philippe was a, a, a nice novice last year. He won at Haydock in, uh, in that grade two Albert Bartlett trial and um, didn't run too bad in the Albert Bartlett in the end and looks a very slow horse but uh, this is his first appearance of the season so it'll be interesting to see how he goes um, but not a race that anyone will ever love uh, is a potential race certainly me and, and I can't believe that one of my selections of this weekend will be coming in in one of these and I think Riggs has just got a, a cracking chance on form uh, it proved that that fall at Utoxito and not the stuffing out of him. He needs to jump better than what he did at Aintree because that was dire, but they'll be going a, a slower tempo, which I think will suit him a bit more. And this is a little bit easier than that race last time, I think. Yeah, 11 to 4 Fav. Riggs to win this. Dan, do you have an opinion or should we just call it out for the farce that it is? <laughs> well, it was even at the entry stage, it was like 19 entries in total. Gordon Elliott had nine of them and Rodney McNally had two. So you just knew it was going to be an absolute massacre, like, as soon as any, that was announced. I mean, it's the jam man turning up, you know what, he's not going to be interested. Same with Cider Burley. Sporting John, I'm not really sure why he's running. Like, if the attempt is the plan, you just go straight there, unless you're planning to run a stinker and get dropped a couple of pounds. Third wins, oh, yeah, he's fair enough. I think he finished fourth in the attempts a couple of years ago, but he's a bit higher than he was. So it kind of just leaves you with Riggs, really, is the one you'd... You could only be interested in him for a win-only perspective, really. Like just based on his mark, the fact that he's race fit, and he will, as you say, he needs to win. So if he's going to get into the final, you probably want to be off a mid one thirties as absolute minimum to guarantee a run. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's just a bit of a joke, really. And then you, we're going to see more of this as well, especially now. There's no more Irish qualifiers. You're going to see plenty of Irish entries in all the British ones that are remaining. Barely any of them going, and you're going to get small fields and. Six of the seven are going to are going to qualify for the final um, for everyone's favourite handicap of the Cheltenham Festival. But yeah, Riggs for win purposes. Alaphilippe's interesting. I think they might learn from Imperial Alcazar bolting up in this qualifier last year. The yard had him, and they might just give Alaphilippe a bit of an easier time, just kind of give him a, a decent prep, and then straight onto the final. But yeah, it's um, not a race you'd go mad about from a uh, one you can really dig into. Yeah, I'd, I'd look. I'd, I'd agree with everything about about that. 
I, I guess I, I'd keep half an eye on third win because I, I backed him non-runner no bet and I put him up for a racing tips for the Potemps anti-post last, last year and then he went and won the Rendlesham the day after I put him up which did my head in uh, but he's back down to one one four six, which was the mark he'd have actually got in off the attempts last last season. Uh, I hope this is the plan with him, because I look I consider him better than a one four six horse, Grade Two winner last season. He, he was a, I think he was about twenties for the attempts in February last year before he won the Rendlesham. Hack round the back in sixth, get into the final, maybe run off one four four. Everyone forgets that he's quite a good horse, and hopefully we make lots of money on third win. The race yeah. for sixth here is going to be more competitive than the race for first. <laughs> I can guarantee is. you. It actually is. It'll be good fun. Well, it's Sayed Burley as well, back in a handicap, trying to sneak his way round. Paddy Power should, should like place a, a market up for horses to finish sixth just for this race. Oh, I really should. Brilliant. That'd be more competitive. I can't wait for that. But there's no Go way. On. There's only one horse that finishes sixth here. Let's, That's let's definitely have a, the jam man. Let's have a selection. Yeah, a selection to finish sixth. Go on then, boys. Dan's is the jam man. Rolling McNally magic. The jam, the jam man would, would be Fav. Sire de Burley, second Fav to finish sixth. I'll, I'll have Sire de Burley to, to finish sixth. Who finishes last and doesn't qualify? Uh, Keeper Hill. Sporting <laughs> 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 John pulls up. <laughs> what is what has it come to? What has it generally come to? This is a more interesting discussion than who wins. Oh my god! This sport, what it does to a man. <laughs> oh, we love the racing. We love the racing. That's that's. Uh, I think where we'll call it a day for Warwick this week. Over to Kempton, though, lads. Obviously, look outside the Lanzarote. It's not the not the most interesting of cards either. At one thirty-two, there's a half decent class three handicap chase. Jim, if you have an opinion on this, Champagne Courts five to two, Capor Toy seven to two, Foxborough fours, Fancy are eleven to two, Falco Blitz sevens, and then fourteens Locks Corner and twenty twenty. No opinion on this. Sorry to be boring, but it's just it's dire, isn't it? Dan, what about you? I actually have an opinion. Um, yeah, to be honest, it's another seven-runner race, another one where most have a fair bit to prove at present. Yeah, wouldn't be for me. I think Champagne Court's probably the right favourite, uh, but no, it wouldn't. It's not something I'm getting involved in. I can I can see why Champagne Court is fab. Uh, he actually won last time out, which is the first time he's, he's done that in a long time. I might have. I, in fact, I think I backed him for the novice handicap at the festival when Imperial Aura won it. So that, that's, that's a long time ago, and he's still a novice now, I think. But Cap or Toy was absolutely thriving, you know, back end of last season. And the early part of this proved he stayed two and a half miles properly when he beat uh, some kind of star at Fontmel last time. I just got taken off his feet completely uh, at Cheltenham behind Editor Edit Edit That was the only only real poor run he's had in the last 12, mo- 12 months. He's going the right way, only up £4 for his win last time out. Yeah, I think he's 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 more than a fair price, really. He's a half-brother to Apple Tar, so, you know, the pedigree would suggest that he'll stay, you know, he's a cap guard as well. So, he's a sort of horse who might have done all, most of his improving over two miles, but up to two and a half, there might be even more to come here in what looks a, a fairly weak race. 
I'd be happy enough to go for the horse who is is thriving at present and he's not he's not the fav seven to two. Happy enough to take Capo Toy there for me. He'd probably be one of my stronger fancies of the weekend actually. Uh, the two oh five is a Silviniaco Conti Chase Mr Fisher thirteen to eight to beat Rusery eleven to four Eldorado Allen hundred to thirty eight and Defy Desai eleven to two. Dan, I'll come to you first, dear mate. Uh, what a cracking race! Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm honestly having to contain myself. Hopefully that comes across in my voice as how excited I am about this. I mean, I mean, the Lingfield program is great, and it's great to have more valuable races, especially at that time of year, with a view to the spring festivals. But I mean, surely the the, the book has to be looked at here because I mean, half the field that we've entered up have just said, "Oh no, I'll go for the one of the other easier Grade Twos in a week's time." Like it's just just an absolute joke, and we're left with four runners most of which have a fair amount to prove. All the pace angles left. You had Dashiell Drasher, Master Tommy Tucker, who are in. They're not running, so there's a lack of pace. It's just everything you'd look to avoid in a punting race. This would be it for me, really. Like, it's just one I, I can't have a, a, a bet in at all. If, I, if someone put a gun to my head and said, here's a 20 quid, chuck it on. To be honest, I'd probably be willing to chance Deffy to soy in a race like this. Oh, Jesus. I think you kind of have to. I mean, oh. it didn't run terribly last time out. Like, he traded at literally half his SP despite never getting beyond fourth. And if you look kind of back at the race, he was going nicely enough, seemed to be travelling with a bit more zest than perhaps we've seen in recent times. And then I think it was a case of him getting tired. They weren't really sure why he played it as he did. He was beating like 36 lengths in the end behind, obviously, the mighty lost in translation. Uh, so, you know, if I'm going by your guys' logic, that is absolute peak form. So even 36 cents behind is absolute A1 stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, I think you can be forgiving enough of that run. And in a, a trappy little four-runner race where he's getting six pounds from Mr. Fisher and Eldorado Allen, it's the kind of race you can give him one more chance, I think, if you're absolutely pushed to. And I think he's the outsider of the field. I think you get 11 to 2 about him there's still a chance he can win a race like this because it's really poor. Rujvith needs to prove he stays and he's too keen. Mr. Fisher's coming back out, pulling up in the King George. Then he pulled out three out there. So he got far enough for him to have a decently hard race and to come back in three weeks might be a bit questionable. Eldorado Allen's the only one who's been running with any kind of form of late. So I guess he would be a fairly reliable option. But 11-2, definitely Desoy, I think. One more chance. And if he can't win this, so the wheels really have fallen off. What about you, Jim? I'm just thinking about Paul Silvignaco Conti thinking, what the bloody hell are these when you're in a race named after me? This is your tribute. Uh, <laughs> this is what you do. I mean, like, Mr. Fisher probably brings the, the best form into the race, obviously. Uh, he won the Ryanair. Uh, not the, probably the L. He won the, where does that come from? He won the Peterborough. <laughs> um, <laughs> he won the Peterborough and was second to Frauden and the Oxy. Um, not beaten that far in the end in that. Um, but at the top level, he's been found out, but grade two, grade three probably is his level. Uh, so you can understand why he's favourite. Um, slight worry that he's never run round Kempton over fences, uh, like completed a race round uh, Kempton over fences. We saw him in the King George, and he was just he was never going to be good enough to run in the King George. Um, but I can understand why he's favourite, and I think he's the right favourite. If he if he gets a little bit bigger, I'll probably back him. But Eldorado Allen probably is is the one in behind who brings the the, the second strongest form, winning that Holden Gold Cup out, battling Hitman late on, um, 
everyone's always thought that a step up in triple is what he wants. And he just made a mistake at the wrong time in the Peterborough um, behind first first flow, and uh, he just couldn't get going again. The, the front two had kicked on, and he just couldn't quite make up the ground. And um, he ran on well in the end, but if he was a little bit closer and hadn't made that error, I think he'd have gone a, a, a fair bit closer. So I think Eldorado Allen will probably be where I'm, I'll land in the end. Um, but Mr Fisher is, I, I respect him, but I just think he's a little bit short at this moment in time. Yeah, I can, I can see that, Jimmy. It, it, it's a tricky one because, like, I mean, would you disagree with me in saying that I think in terms of raw ability, Mr Fisher is, is, a, is a more naturally able horse than Eldorado Allen? Yeah, I think I'd agree. Yeah, and but it's, like, like you said, just a mistake came at the wrong time in the Peterborough. He ran a better race than the than the third place and the bare margin suggests. So it makes it tricky, especially at the prices. I, I fractionally still just think Mr Fisher's a likeliest winner. You know, given Kempton. Kempton, I think, can be excused just flying too high. But prior to that, you know, the the, the running the Oxy Chase was, was very good. Ran, you know, won won the rescheduled Peterborough last season. And that, that was quite a strong race of its type. Well, relatively for a British grade two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he, he probably does does bring, I guess, the best semi-recent form into this race. Obviously, Pete Deffy de Soy Wompsies, but you, you are just throwing a dart, aren't you, and, and hoping there, I, I guess, even although I understand completely what Dan says at the prices, if, if you are going to give him, give him another try. This is this is the sort of race to do it in. I can't have Rougevif at all. Does too many things wrong. Still unsure about him staying. Not sure what form he's in. Uh, I, I I would fractionally side with with Mister Fisher. Still, I think he might have a little bit more more raw speed as well round Kempton than Eldorado Allen. I, I can see this track suiting him slightly better. Uh, but Eldorado Allen will probably win it it'll do my head <laughs> fair enough the, the big race at Kempton on Saturday is the Lanzarote handicap hurdle good race as well this year good to see a proper field up for a race that's kind of uh, not lived up to its reputation in recent years but this this is this is a good renewal, and they currently bet Marie's Rock best price eleven to two fav to beat Jolino Bello at six to one Green Book eights Earth Lord and Chitty Bello nines up for parole tens Cobbler's Dream on my command twelves fourteens Don Levant sixteens Quinta Dumas and twenty to one bar them this looks like the sort of race you'd love to get stuck into Dan. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's so competitive to be honest. I mean, it's stood up extremely well in comparison to some of the other races we've discussed so far. I mean, you've got a really nice combination of really progressive novices who their ceiling is still far from reached as of yet, and you've got some probably more exposed types who are either coming back into form or their marks are going so low that they have to be of interest in races like this. I mean, at the top of the market is so congested. I can completely see why Marie's Rock is favourite. She looked back to her what she promised to be last time out and um, 
But I think the price is probably on the short side now, considering she went up a fair old whack for that, and this is not an easy race by any stretch of the imagination. So I think, for me, it's just one I'd like to have a little play at a price, and I ended up coming down on Comanche Red. I think he's 28-1 to 1 currently. He's been dropped £4 this season for two very respectable efforts. He was third at Plumpton when clearly in need of the run, like a lot of Chris Gordon's were at the time. And then latterly, he was fourth behind Marie's Rock. Uh, he finished 11 blunts behind her that day and he's now £12 better off of her. But if you look back at that run, he was going wide the whole time. He had absolutely no cover. He hit the front two out. But he'd just been on his own pretty much the whole time. Like He just did not get a kind of race you'd need really to win like that. Like Marie's Rock was much the best on the day, but I think he's shaped as if he was coming, kind of coming back to himself. I mean, he's now £2 below his last winning mark, which admittedly did come in a weaker race than this. And this season has been considerably smoother than last year, where it was just a bit of a mess. I mean, coming into it, we thought he might make up into a bit of a Grady chaser because of, he had some really high high marks in his novice days. I mean, his biggest win was that novice handicap chase win at Kempton a couple of years ago when he absolutely bolted up from Simply the Bets. I mean, his record around Kempton as well is, is a, a massive encouragement, as is the kind of dry forecast. Like it's meant to be <clears throat> pretty dry weather all, all week, really. So it might go to the good side of soft, which would definitely help him. And it, to be honest, the way he's been campaigned, it would not surprise me if this has kind of been a long-term plan for a while. He had a bit of a break after his first run. He's turned out three weeks after, which I can imagine was almost a prep run for this. And Chris Gordon at the minute is in absolutely flying form. He normally has a little peak at the start of the season, which he did. And he normally has a little peak in the middle of the season, which he's currently experiencing again. So a 28 to 1 for a horse who goes extremely well at Kempton is below his last winning mark. And we know for all that he's probably not the horse he was at his absolute peak, does have a lot of back class. I was willing to take a little chance on him at a big price. I like that. I really like that. It's a very, very fair case, and I'm, I'm quite a big Chris Gordon fan myself. Yeah, I, lo- I love him as a trainer. Doesn't mince his words. You know what you're going to get all the time, and his horses generally run to form. Yeah, does 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 very well with a with not not the biggest thing in the world, but you know, I say he, he tends to be fairly well represented on Saturdays. Really, when he has when he has the ammunition, he's got three runners in this. Jim, where are you leaning? Twenty runners. Yeah, I wonder if as many people tip the winner of this year's renewal as when Bar and Bill won, because every man his <laughs> dog. Uh, I think I tip Bar and Bill other than me and Lewis. I had him uh, in a little bake. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> that old classic bet, yeah. Uh, Green Books, a horse who I've had on my radar for a while. I've been wondering why Venetia Williams has um, had him on the flat for a while, and, and she's took him hurdling this year, possibly bumped into a nice horse of a different kind who's running at Catterick this afternoon, um, but beat Titi Balco, who was a, a strong nap of mine on that day, and um, just was so well handicapped um, that just couldn't lie up with him, could old Chitty Balco, and he won a handicap hurdle behind, uh, beating Bridge North, who's since come out and won at Ludlow the other day in a Maiden hurdle, he looked like a strong staying type, and I don't think the form of them two will be to, will be that bad. Uh, off a mark of one thirty here with Ned Fox taking ten off like he did at Haydock. Um, big ride for such an inexperienced jockey, but um, I, I, I think that ten pound claim will be well worth it. Um, what price do you say, Lewis? Eight to one. He was about twelve to one late early on in the week, and. Um, Probably should have backed him there or thereabouts, but a horse with good, strong, staying flat form um, coming into this competitive handicap 
I think he'll go very well off a mark of 138, especially with the claimer taking 10 off. Um, Cobbler's Dream's a horse who I like as well. Uh, I like what he did last time beating Leon Cavallo. Um, he's always a horse who I've thought a step up in trip will probably three miles in time will be what he wants. So stepping up another two furlongs from last time. Uh, I think he's marked more than fair off 128, up six for that last time. Leon Cavallo since come out uh, and won. Uh, uh, ran a decent race at Taunton, sorry, since when never really travelling and never really jumping. Um, but I think Cobbler's Dreams, progressive Ben Casey's horses have been running really well recently, and uh, I think at 12 to 1 could offer a bit of value for him. Fair enough, mate, I can see that. I have two in this as well, and one of them is the first horse Jim made a case for, Green Book. You know, like Jim said, good flat horse last season for Venetia, placed in, in a that absolute boat race at the at Glorious Goodwood, that calling the wind one, uh, you know, ran ran in the first half of the field in the Queen Alexandra. He's he stays very very well on the flat, but he's he's done well over shorter trips over hurdles. You know, beating possibly the number one yardstick at Haydock, Chitty Balco, uh, back in December. Followed up quickly in a little bit of a Mickey Mouse race at Ludlow, but like like Jim said, the winner, uh, sorry, the runner up there, Bridge North, has has franked the form. With Ned Fox back on, I just I just find it hard to believe that he's not going to be well handicapped off 120. We know he stays this far, still unexposed as a hurdler. You know, even though he's only been running really in smaller fields over hurdles, uh, he deals well with with big big events on the flat. Big events? What am I on about? Big runner fields? You know what I mean? Twenty odd runners. He's got no issue with that. Uh, this, this looks like an interesting an interesting shout from Venetia running him here. I am also a fan of Up for Parole. We put him up when he won on the podcast last time at Haydock. Up six pounds for that. And I, I like the idea of him in a big runner handicap over this sort of mid-range trip just because he travels so well. You know, I, I think I think he's quite a, he was quite a strong stayer at two. Really, and having him over this sort of trip, big field pace to weigh him at, might just seem to best effect. The race he, he won at Haydock, I, I could kind of see that working out into a into a half-decent race as well. You know, obviously the runner-up Stellar Magic was a little bit of a flop back end of last season, but he seemed to return in good heart and his early season form from last year uh, reads well. And Michael Duff, you know, was a horse who was fairly well eye-catching at Cheltenham on the start prayer. So I think that was that was a tidy enough little affair. I could have seen the case for him going up higher than six and I think this sort of race will play to his strengths. I think he's about twelve to one and then be the two for me in the Lanzarote. Really good race though this year. Good to see the Lanzarote having you know having a proper field rather than the slightly tin pot affair it's been the last couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah, I agree. At least we had Boren Bill at sixty six to one eh? so you know that <laughs> as a silver lining. <laughs> Uh, the 315 at Kempton is the Coral Committed to Safer Gambling Handicap Chase. Interesting, interesting race this one as well. Caribbean Boy and Smarty Wild had the betting at 7 to 2. False Kitties Light, 7 strictly against the Wishing and Hoping. 12 to 1 McTotter, 14s Atwar Phil and Double Shuffle. Again, Jim, I'll throw this over to you first. Quite decent little handicap chases. Yeah, Caribbean boys are a horse who I've been on a fair cliff with 
Um, nice bit of form, such early on as a novice, and he's not quite reproduced the goods in in uh, better and competitive races, and he, he's slowly dropping in mark, and you can understand why he's going off favourite for this. But it took a nasty fall last time, and I'd rather just watch and see how he goes. Uh, from that, Kitty's lights the horse. Was is that in the turf top to, to follow? Yeah, Lucas Um Early season, you'd have thought should have got uh, got his head in front by now. And um, good second at, in the Native River, there, where I think Jack Tudor just dropped his reins late on and, and just possibly cost him. And um, he didn't run too bad in the Charlie Harlan, though he was, would have been beaten a fair amount in the end, but. Um, didn't run too badly. Not been quite seen to as good an effect since, and you'd like to hope uh, could have a bit of a revival here. It was as high as one four nine after that uh, Charlie Hall second, and now off a mark of one four three. I won't be surprised if Kitty's like could bounce back here. Um, Smarty Wilds a horse I've never quite ever got right, and I think might struggle in uh, in a in a better race like this. Um, but other than that, I think Kitty's Light's probably on form early season has, has got the best chance and with a sliding mark, I think should go even better. Fair enough, mate. I can I can see the case there completely. Where are you leaning, Dan? It's a, again, it's a really tricky little race, this one. I mean, I think five of the eight last time out didn't complete. I think three of them are 12-year-olds. It's a... It's a really bit of a mishmash of horses and profiles in here. Kitty's Light is an ab- absolute admirable horse. Deserves probably a big race. It hasn't quite landed just yet. Just not sure whether carrying a big weight round Kempton on ground would probably be quicker than ideal. Three miles is exactly what he's after to see him at best effect. I think we saw that last time out as well, that it's probably just not his ideal conditions. But there will be a big day in him over a more attritional test down the lines. So the, the horse, I ended up, Kind of coming towards just based on the fact I think he's been very leniently treated by the handicapper is Atois Phil. Now he's dropped six pounds for his last run at Cheltenham. That was over two and a half miles. It was his first start for a long time. And if you look back at that run, he just kind of sat at the back, potted round. Jamie Moore never really asked him for much, to be honest. It was clearly not going to be his day. That trip around Cheltenham was not going to be his ideal conditions anyway. And he was pretty much allowed to complete in his own time. So for him to be dropped, Six pounds for that is, I, I thought, was quite lenient, especially when you consider that was just his third start for Gary Moore. And if you go back to his first, he was only 10 minutes behind Native River. I think mean, that came in the Denver in 2020. And then he was 10 minutes behind Smarty Wild in a handicap chase where he was rated 140 and Smarty Wild was rated 130. There's now been 11 pounds swing in those weights and the difference, the distance between them was only 10 lengths, which to me, would suggest the price differential between the two in this contest is a probably a bit extreme, especially when that race is over two and a half, which I think is generally Smarty Wild's preferred distance. And we're now racing over three, which is definitely more of what our 12 Phil wants. So he's a horse who we know has got plenty of black, uh, back class. He's two of his three starts at Gary Moore have been very, very encouraging. He's dropped to 130 now, six pounds for his last run. I think he's extremely lenient. And the way he raced last time and the kind of fairly quick turnaround, to me, it suggested last last run was just a bit of a prep, a bit of a jolly. Whether this is going to be his day, I'm not quite sure. I think he's going to have one where he's going to be well punted. Maybe it's when he gets the cheek pieces back on or some or a tongue tie back on. I'm not quite sure. But I think when he's, I think he's at 14 to 1 in what is a fairly 
not uninspiring lineup to be honest. I feel with plenty, where plenty have uh, things to prove. I think at fourteen to one, he's um, he could be a tempting each way proposition here. Yeah. I'm thinking on the same lines as you, Dan. Hey, finally some agreement. What the hell? <laughs> I, love it. I, thought, I thought I was gonna come with some sort of absolute genius left field shout. The rank outside of the field, at half fill. And Dan's pretty much explained the case. Yeah, he's he's probably the one I like. Look, I'll just run through these because I, I see why why those two are the top of the betting have their positions there. Caribbean boys should be better than a one four five horse, and against the field, like Dan said, of fairly fairly strange horses to be running against each other. That's why I like this race because you know it's, it's almost like pick eight handicap chases out of a hat and whack them against each other. And see who comes out. It's it's a, it's quite a an interesting race rather than the classic chase. Who I feel like I've seen them all race against each other about five times. This is this is a little bit a little bit more different. Uh, Caribbean boy doesn't surprise me if he goes and wins. Smarty Wild has the ability to be better than a one three one horse, but he's becoming a little bit frustrating. Uh, again, I, I guess I guess he's the sort of horse I'd I'd be happy to. To just watch and win at the sort of price he is. He was more encouraging at Ludlow, but that was probably a weaker race than this. Uh, I backed him at Ascot when he was third behind Pink Legend, and again, I don't think he ever shaped like he was gonna gonna go relatively close there either. Uh, so I'm happy enough to pass over to Mighty Wild. I I could see Kitty's light going all right more in terms of weakness of opposition rather than. This being his ideal ideal scenario, but again he's four to one for a horse who wants further and different different ground. Strictly a dancer wants further, uh, wishing and hoping. Hard to know exactly what he is, but I guess nowadays I'd be shocked if he was a well handicapped horse off a career high mark there of of one four three for. Winning was it a veterans chase at Aincree before he'd run in the Native River, you know, and before that he'd been he'd been hunter chasing and and he wasn't really pulling up many trees there, you know. He went off fifties for the fox hunters at Cheltenham. Any horse going off fifties for the fox hunters at Cheltenham and running a handicap off one four three is probably poorly weighted. Uh, McToy wrecked his season by winning the Grand Grand uh, Sefton. I know they want to run him in the national. Peter Bowen said that's the plan, uh, and he might get in off one for one, but he won't. He won't be competitive off that mark. I just find it hard to see. Double shuffles old. Uh, so that leaves us. <laughs> it was the same that age as that. double shuffle. But yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Double shuffle. Double shuffle feels older uh, because Athlone has been running fairly, fairly well. Like Dan said, when when the time has come to see him out. He's only actually had four runs for Gary Moore. One of them was when he was he ran a cracking race in the Denman Chase and looked like he was a kind of pros a threat to Native River. And like I said, he's just fought, absolutely tumbled down the weights very very quickly. You know, it was was rated what mid one fifties at his best, high one fifties, one five nine was his peak OR when he was in Ireland. I, I just I just think it's it's too early to say as to whether he's he's a one he's definitely a one thirty horse. Yes, he's not the force he once was, but I think what we the the rare things we've seen from him 
over the past two years have suggested that there was still at least still at least a horse in there when he was coming back onto the track. He, he could be. He just could be very well handicapped still. You know, it might be, like Dan said, £6 could well be a massive overreaction because, you know, if you, if you look at the three starts prior, and I know that there's one in 20, one in 2019, one in 2020, and one in 2021, he's been very, very likely raced and had problems recently, but they would all be mid-140s runs, pretty much. Uh, I kind of hoped he'd be bigger than 14s. Because he was, you know, he got whomped last time and he's a 12-year-old and he hasn't won for a while and he's been, you know, he's he's not been seen out much. I kind of thought he's a sort of horse that a lot of people might have just put a line for him for, or regressive going down the way. It's shite nowadays and I thought we might get 20s about him. He's 14-1 to 1 though. And that, that'd still be the angle I like most into the race. To be fair, like, I mean, he's priced anti-post and when we had, I think, three Gordon Elliott horses in there, I think he was still only 16-1. to 1. And that was before about... 10 or 11 came out so 14's now in an 8 runner field I think you're probably going to be struggling to get any more especially when you look at like the likes of Double Shuffle McTotty Wishing and Hoping etc like it's not like he's up against a bunch of young bucks here so I think 14's is probably about as good as you could probably hope to get given that Boo be more generous book (laughs) (laughs) he's not one for ages he's 12 he's going down the weights uh he won't win another race apart from on Saturday. Come on, that's <laughs> Uh Anything else we'd like to mention? Do you have a, do you have an opinion on the last at Kempton boys? Mengley Khan's there. No, no. Mengley Khan. Oh, he God. should be running at Leanfield, shouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> one of these days, he's going to land one. <laughs> I don't know what it will be. Uh, no, it might be another jumper's bumper again. Uh, he, he ran quite well in a couple of them last year, I think, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> that that might be his bag these days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> bless, him. bless his little cotton socks. Uh, and bought just for jumpers bumpers. I would absolutely love that. <laughs> hey, Nicky Henderson, mate. You know everything is possible. Just running him is a plus. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Bodersley's in there, who's a horse who I thought could be fairly well handicapped. At, uh, earlier in the season and he's come back down the weights to one two four if if there is one. Uh, that could be the one for me for Chris Gordon there. Uh we'll wrap things up though but just before we throw throw the rest of Saturday open. Dan, is there anything else you like on any of the other cards? Yeah, there's just one at Weatherby I thought was worth noting in the one thirty nine, which is a three mile handicap, a horse called Conchero. I think trained by Ben Case, so I think you mentioned earlier was having a decent run of things. He's got a 20% strike rate up at Weatherby in the last five years. He just sends this lad up there. There was a decent bumper horse. He beat a decent field at Warwick. The likes of Captain Morgs was second, a few others. He then went to finish behind, like, likes of Good Risk at all, Skytastic. He ran in the grade two entry bumper as well. He was a bit disappointing there, but he was clearly held in, in fairly decent regard as a bumper horse. He made a decent hurling debut against some race fit rivals over two miles at Kelso, which is definitely a trip on the sharp side for him. And he just got up over two and a half at Fakenham again, which is a track which would have he would have absolutely hated because this is a big galloping horse who clearly needs three miles, and this is exactly what he's going to get here. He's by Yeats. He's very closely related to Stick with Bill, who we haven't seen in a while, but was a very dour stayer for Harry Whittington not too long ago. So this step up to three miles will suit. It's not a very strong race. He gets in here at naught to one ten off that mark of one ten, which seems fairly lenient. He should be going close in a race like this, really, with conditions to suit.
Fair enough, mate. I like that, Jim. Anything for you? Uh, up at Weatherby as well in that maiden hurdle, uh, Harry, uh, Dan Skelton sends our jet up with Jack Andrews to take the five off. Um, second to Hillcrest at Aintree, and who's subsequently come out and won since. Uh, I think that Aintree race might be decent form. And uh, finished fourth behind Kintar and Pikahana uh, last time at Warwick. Um, this is easy company, £5 off his back into, into a maiden hurdle. I'd be very disappointed if he doesn't get his head in front, and I think he's got an outstanding chance. Fair enough, lads. Uh, Ireland on Sunday, the Moscow Flyer and the Kilbane obviously chase are the two ones that are, are of serious interest. And I don't think there's loads to talk about with either, to be fair, because Dice at Dino will be a very, very short price to win the Moscow Flyer, and Bob Ollinger will be a very, very short price to win the Novice Chase. Does anyone want to tell me I'm wrong? No, this Irish racing's easy, isn't it? Just tip favourites. <laughs> Tip yep. favourites and then wait for them to come to Cheltenham, there'll be a bigger price and they'll come and womp us. <laughs> this game's easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, guys, I think the only thing that might be of interest there is obviously the Moscow flies over two miles. He's near enough trading as favourite for the Ballymore. He's very close to it anyway. Whether you'd the ideal prep for what is a fairly keen going horse is two starts over two miles and then going straight to two mile five, that's probably questionable. And depending on how keen he is here, might determine whether they stick him down the Supreme Route as well. Or maybe they might go to the Dublin Racing Festival with him after this, over two mile six. It's, it'll be interesting to see how his temperament is, I think, is the more interesting element. Hawaii game for William Mullins as well, if he runs here, very decent horse in his own right. Um, so, yeah, a couple to keep an eye on, but Tyson Dynamo is, should be winning this if he runs. Also a little mention for the little yank, because what a little, <laughs> what a little dude he is. He runs every week, nearly. Tries his heart out, um, and I'd love him to win. If he won a big grade two novice hurdle this season, I'd love it. Yeah, he's good fun, he's a little yankee, isn't he? That's going to be his 18th run since the end of May. (laughs) (laughs) That's some Mark Johnson-style campaign. (laughs) And let me just check how many wins. Oh, he's got a couple in there earlier on. Yeah, Yeah, those are the horses that... That's what National Rod's all about. These absolutely random horses running in races they shouldn't be in and, and just giving it a go. Gotta got love it. Yeah, I saw uh, Captain's out at Huntington on a, on Friday and I'm, I am not one to shout for horses to be retired, but that horse should have been retired before he even ran. If not, I mean, <laughs> he's, actually, he's actually won a race, but I don't think I've ever seen him in a race that he has any chance of winning on paper. <laughs> You mean those form figures of PPPPP aren't inspiring you? Well, did, did they only win the Long Distance Cup on his first start on the flat? And they then did. They ran him in the Earl of Seth they as did. Well. They did. They did, because there was an uproar, wasn't there? Who'd have guessed? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, I'm just looking. Hey, he was coming off the back of two runs ago, winning a novice chase. He beat a 1-20. He, he must have beat a 1-20. <laughs> yeah. So what are you all about? Must be a lump on Friday then. Must be the plot. We dropped £9 for his last run. (laughs) Off for eight months. Or lump on. We're all on. We're all on cap and he'll be one of my nap comps. Uh, Jim, I'll let you go first with your three naps. My nap will be at... um... Will be at Weatherby, like I mentioned in that in that novice hurdle for our jet. I think he'll go very very well. Uh, my next best will be Jericho Rock in the uh, Warwick Classic Chase at Warwick. 
Uh, and my third best, we'll come in the, the king of novice hurdles. Uh, novice hurdle at Kempton, uh, Rioca for Harry Fry and Sean Bowen, beat complete unknown last time, uh, who I've mentioned already. Uh, and Jolene, was second to Jolino Bello in a nice entry maiden hurdle as well. Um, I think he should be winning that, um, even with the penalty. Fair enough, mate. Dan, your three knots, please, pal. Yeah, I'll go Mappleby. I'll give it to Conchero in that 139 Weatherby, that three-mile handicap. He, he really should be going close off that kind of mark in this race. I'll, I'll give Riggs the next best tag because it's a race where I think only he's really going to be turning up to really try and win. So he's got to be going close. And I'll give Ian with a chance to Captain Tommy in the Classic. I think he's a fairly decent each-way price. He's, he's got a race like this in him. Just needs to put it all together. And there were signs that he's going to do that soon, last time out. I like that, mate. I like that. My nap's going to be Cap or Toy at Kempton in the uh, 1.32. 7-2 there for Harry Bannister and Toby Laws. My next best will come at Weatherby. Possibly a little bit of a swing, but in a race that I think looks fairly weak, the 2.47, Benson's best form makes him look a well-handicapped horse off 1.31, and I can see why they're stepping him back up to two and a half miles now. I think that's a sort of winnable race uh, for a horse like Benson nowadays, and I'd hope he could go well enough there. And my third best is going to be Riggs, because he's going to be the only one trying. <laughs> Up the Riggs. <laughs> Up the triers. <laughs> oh. If, if that treble lands, that is the least least likely treble I have ever put up. That is probably my least confident nap comp I've ever done. What I really wanted to say was just lump on Bob Ollinger. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> we just back winners, Jim. That's what we do. Uh, Dan, thanks for being here, mate. It's always a pleasure having you on with us, and hopefully we'll have you on again during Cheltenham. No, oh, mate, it's an absolute pleasure as always. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I think, as we said before this even started, it's a kind of a weird w- weekend of racing. Some races where you can get a decent feel, others are just an absolute minefield, like that Potemus Qualify, etc. But it's always good fun to talk through with it with you boys. And yeah, thanks for having me on. And don't forget to go and watch the Jump Show uh, with Racing Willow and Jet Price on YouTube as well. Great watches. Yeah, oh, cheers, lads. Much appreciated. It is it is good fun. Like yeah, like napping napping this week has been so hard because the handicaps are all fifteen plus runners and everything else is four runners and has Mr Fisher in it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep a tally of how well we do this week properly and see if it's the harder to find a winner, then we'll just only do podcasts on hard weeks. <laughs> no, I'll say think? zero winners this week, my estimate for myself. Oh. Nice and kind. Well, well, the so listeners are just inspired by your confidence for radiating. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I think you mean they should cash out two hundred quid acre they just put on on your tips. So. <laughs> invoice Jim. If you lose any money, invoice Jim. It's always fun. <laughs> uh, thanks to rating the races for their continued support of the podcast. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you all again next week. See you soon. Stay safe. <laughs>